Hi everyone, welcome to One Percent Better podcast with myself, Dalton Tessia. I am here today with Ethan. Uh, me and Ethan have been training for uh, not the longest of time, but you know, for the past couple of months, which has been pretty good. Um, and I'm glad to have him on here. So, Ethan, say hi and just introduce yourself a little bit more as well. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm Ethan. I've been training with Dalton probably what since September ish. That's yeah, probably came around it. Probably around um, that time, yeah. yeah. Um, helped me loads. Helped me get into a training routine that I quite enjoy. Um, incredibly knowledgeable, and just really enjoy training with him. Hoping to keep carrying it on. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on this. Oh, it's cool. So tell me when you kind of started training yourself um, again before meeting myself or being with the, the gym and whatnot. And what made you start? Um, I think it was back, what, I was 16, I want to say, when I could officially, like, allow to, well, when I was officially allowed to join the gym at my, what was it, sports club, cricket club, which was the age limit that they, um, they had set. But it's never really, never really took off until about, what, September 2020, I want to say, when I did my first membership at my local gym. Um and then kind of progressed on through that, but uni kind of took over. So then it all started properly in September when I started training five days a week. Okay, so obviously you found your like stepping stone into like a better program, which more beneficial for you? Oh, massively. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, obviously, with today's podcast, we're going over again a bit of everything with the diet, training, um, rest days, uh, quantity over quality quality over yeah. uh, quantity um, and then obviously just a general chat around that as well um, so what we do we'll start off with the uh, the diet and training regime um, and then we're gonna go from there um, so again you've kind of spoken about you going into five-day kind of working uh, routine uh, again talk a bit more about your split and kind of why you've chosen that a little bit more now than from what you did from the staff when you started training um well five days a week practically because i have more free time now um for the past three years i was at uni um so that kind of took the precedent of everything but yeah five days a week with the weekends off obviously i work weekends so it makes it a bit more difficult i'm also a lot more tired on the weekends as well um but apart from that, yeah, five days a week, um, three days with yourself, um, and then two days on my own, kind of like programming, I guess. Um, but yeah, Monday to Friday, um, usually train in the evenings. I'm not much of a morning person, as I think you found out this morning. Um, you woke up at like 12, didn't you, or something like that? <laughs> I woke up at 11.30, thanks. Oh, yeah. um, it's, it's good <laughs> But, but no, um, yeah, Monday to Friday, and then try and do, it's most, <laughs> it's mostly leg training, um, given the type of style that I kind of do, it's a lot of, a lot of squatting. Um, okay, so tell me what kind of style you, you do, I know, but for the audience, for instance, what kind okay, of style so do you I, I'm, well, come, what was it, January, I started trying to do a lot more Olympic weightlifting training. So cleaning jerks and snatching. So trying to include or like 
get all of that style training. So it's not your general bodybuilding training. It's not CrossFit or that kind of metabolic conditioning style of training. It's, you know, one to four reps of anything that I'm trying to do. So whether that be clean jerks, clean pulls, um, snatches, snatch balances, all relatively heavy, um, but not a lot of quantity. So getting the technique down and then building the weight up. Cool. We'll um yeah, we'll go on to that later. Obviously, we're speaking <clears> about quality over quantity and quantity over quality. Um, but that's cool. So what made you go into more of a kind of Olympic lifting uh store? sort of start over like the bodybuilding as you spoke about um I found body well I found bodybuilding quite boring tedious and long um plus it was something that not really a lot of people do or enjoy but I quite enjoy the Olympic weightlifting side plus I want to compete one day I guess or get to a level where I can compete but right now that's quite a way quite a way off I mean, obviously, knowing your stats and whatnot, you're getting quite a lot of progression in there, which is quite good. PBs and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, I'm getting. Yeah, I think a lot of that comes under the technique bit, um, and then you also playing towards my ego a little bit more. I do. Uh, I do. I do try to push you as much as I can. Yeah. Uh, no, that's good though. Um, <laughs> this is fairly annoying, but you know, we move. Indeed, mate. Uh, that's cool though obviously there's obviously different styles of training which people prefer people follow um again due to their lifestyle which again it means to have less time to train or more time to train so this is where people obviously yeah. choose that style I mean, of training to best suit them don't they ironically um it was probably the more crossfit style um type of coaching that got me into olympic weightlifting for a lot of for a lot of people who know me i don't enjoy cardio uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Which, <laughs> yeah. So doing that kind of Olympic style or Olympic lifting style training doesn't really it, it benefits me more because I don't have to do all the you know it's one of four reps followed by a three to four minute break and then you go again. Yeah, so yeah. CrossFit is keeping it keeping it going. Like, yeah, you have the metcon capacity okay. side of things, which is a. Yeah. Obviously, even I, I find that quite hard as well, but um, I know for Which facts did, you don't I want to do it. about the whole entire time. Yeah, it's great fun. <laughs> Trying to make you do it as well is hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's good, though. Not, um, not for me, it isn't. I know, mate. I hate it just as, as much as you do, but <laughs> it's got to be done sometimes. Um, it's good to start it as well. Yeah, I guess. Um, right, so from training, let's go a little bit more into dieting. Um, what's your um, perspective on dieting and what what do you do um so my diet is actually fairly it's fairly poor it's got better but it's more you know i try and get in three or four meals a day wherever that may come um but just really focusing more on more on the calorie side of it and just making sure because i just won't have any energy at all if i don't eat enough so no matter really what i don't really take into account what i eat obviously that's going to have some effect on my training and whatnot but um no it's just whatever i've got in the house I'll okay so do you obviously you said you look at calories more than anything do you track your calories or anything like that or um, you, you just kind of have a guesstimate and know what you're kind of having 
I kind of know what I'm eating just because I'm eating the same kind of meals each day. Yeah. Obviously, I try and get around three thousand, which is my like, which is my goal each day. Okay. But if I'm somewhere within that range, as long as I'm eating over my maintenance, I'm happy. Okay, that's good. So it's you're trying to, yeah, okay, get stronger, get a bit bigger alongside that at the same time to progress your lifts. Okay, that's cool. I just don't want to gain. Well, as long as I'm eating within that 2,000 to, not 2,000, 2,800 to 3,100 range. Yeah. I don't want to be putting on much fat. So I want to be trying to gain. So kind of like that main gaming phase. If you know I mean. Of course. So what's made you what's kind of um, not kind of tracking everything you do? So obviously as a coach, I, I don't force on people, but again, it's an option that will help of an insight of what you're having um so what oh, what yeah. makes you just kind of guess what you're having even though it's very similar compared to tracking what you do and potentially finding more progress out of that i mean i used to track it um okay. i used to track it quite religiously so like everything would be weighed everything would be measured obviously i still like weigh things to know what i'm having like if i'm having pasta it'll 100 grams of dry pasta or whatever um but i know kind of like what's like what's in food like whenever i have a tuna pasta like tuna pasta for example i know exactly what's in that i can see on the um like the packaging like how much is in that or how much is you know i just adjust it for what i need but um when i used to track it is when i was dieting not really reverse dieting if you get that yeah yeah so of course like if I was on a cut, then I'd make sure that, you know, what I'm putting into my body is helping me towards that goal. But since I'm not trying to do bodybuilding or, you know, trying to you know, build muscle essentially and then cut back on it, I'm okay. just looking for it is in performance based, like with my lifts. Obviously, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Eating eating more but right now it's just it's eating to perform not eating to yeah of course so you got your goal and you find it more comfortable um obviously you said you track beforehand and now you kind of don't you kind of fall into a lifestyle where it's a lot more easier do you find that's because it's less stressful or um at, at the same time yeah and at the same time it's obviously just easier for you to do because you kind of have the knowledge of what you're doing so you've gone through that stage yeah. of tracking what you what you need to do well, uh, gain you some knowledge take <laughs> yeah but carry on i mean i i mean i eat a lot of takeaways anyway okay <laughs> if i'm tracking if i'm tracking that i mean it's going to be over and over of what i just like if i have a dominoes for example yeah it's going to be over my three thousand calories in it in which that kind of just makes it a little bit puts me in a bad headspace put it that way yeah yeah it can be stressful and obviously that's why it's not always the right thing for people to do um just as a lifestyle factor it can be a bit more stressful can't it um that's cool though um let's move on to the next one then obviously you've got your kind of style of training um and obviously your your thoughts on your own pro process of um kind of dieting and whatnot uh, so let's go back a little bit more onto the exercise uh, side of things. I spoke a little bit 
on like your style of training um, and why you kind of do it. Um, but then let's talk about the exercises. So let's narrow it down a little bit more. And how do you find the right exercises for what you're trying to do and what benefits you the most? Um, so I look at a lot of, you know, I look at a lot of um, like professional sportsmen, what they do, what I can incorporate into my training. Um, so like, <clears throat> I'll mention two that I kind of look at a little bit more is Lee Zhao Jin, I think his name is. Yeah. Um, and his like style of training. And then another one who's a YouTuber called Craig Ritchie, who the owner of Hustle Made, the t shirts that I wear a lot. Yeah. Um, so it's a lot of that. So it will be a lot of, um, so on my, when I'm doing cleans or cleaning jokes, I'll do a front squat, a, a squat movement. That would be front squats or back squats. I'll do a, a, a pull movement. So that's normally like a snatch grip dead pull or a clean grip dead pull. Um, then I'll get into some like complexes, so clean jerks. It'll be like a clean double ended jerk or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then tool cleans, so just from the hip, just to practice getting underneath the bar, um, getting that speed and movement like pattern, just like getting that repetitive motion, so I can just you know do it essentially. Um, yeah okay that, that's really cool actually so again we, we spoke about uh well, which we will go into is quality over quantity and what you're obviously speaking about there is you find the right exercises but you work uh obviously accessory work alongside that to make it better so for you yeah. you, you're talking about a bit more quality over quantity and why why is that why do you take that kind of uh, that route um is it because, like because you spoke about is it the style of training you do you find it's it's better to progress by having the quality lifts and obviously with the, the olympic lifting it's a bit more technique based as well so is that your yeah. thought process behind it yeah so i with everything i tend to reset after i do a movement and obviously if i'm doing like if i'm doing squats three for you know four sets of three as opposed to four sets of eight i'm not resetting so i'm not building that motion up i'm not building that um muscle memory in order to do it obviously with like a greater um capacity yeah you will obviously build that up over time it's just i like to focus on well with the heavier lifts as well especially is getting my technique correct getting the like if i'm dead but like if i'm deadlifting for example i'm not touching going i'm lowering the bar back down and resetting getting into the correct posture yeah and then going again um i find that with touch and go reps if i'm doing power cleans for example i'm just touching and going my form will go and when my falls i'm more susceptible to injury whereas if i'm doing the lift dropping it back down resetting and going back up, I can get the technique right. I can get, you know, I can essentially lessen my chances of injury just because I suffer with quite a bad lower back. So it's more, I'm not lifting my back, I'm lifting with everything. Okay. That makes sense. So the injuries are another thing for quality yeah, performance. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's yeah, cool. I have a bad, I have a bad, 
have a bad back at the moment so trying to get that around doing cleans and doing snatches which can if you're extending at the hip first is all going to be lower back based and it's just not what i want so i'm trying to limit that yeah obviously we're doing, doing bad form and thing doing it but yeah exactly so again doing the, the the lift bad can be you know potential to cause an injury obviously with under heavy load it makes it a little more difficult um and like you're saying when you touch and go yeah. as you see of a lot of people who kind of do that technique the form does slip out because kind of just bounce in which again doesn't get you in a correct position again some people can master it which is really really good so it is the case of doing that um yeah. but like in your sense it is really good just to reset and go from there which you find more beneficial but also with an injury as well you're you're thinking you know behind the scenes a little bit and you know don't want to cause anything uh anything worse further from that point um which is really, really cool it's a good way to think about it as well uh, a lot of people with injuries just kind of like crack on and you know don't really look at that side of things i think okay i need to do the exercise but you know performing it correctly also makes a huge difference towards that uh, which some people yeah. kind of, you know, let that slip, which is, you know, a huge important thing as well. Um, so obviously you're a bit more quality side of things over quantity. Um, do you think there is ever a time for quantity being uh, the better part of those two uh, two things there? For what I, mean, reason? I think it's, he it's, heavily it's heavily based on your type of training style. Um, I mean, for me, quality is better over quantity but in terms of you know a crossfitter yeah i put that in terms just because it's you know the metabolic conditioning side you're probably looking at quality over quantity just because of the um aerobic capacity base the amount of reps that you have to do if i'm competing the only rep that i'll have to, have to do is one yeah if you're looking at and <laughs> if you're looking at an emom or something or whatever you might have 20 30 40 of them to do in within a specific time range um but no like quality no we're talking quantity now aren't we um yeah i think you got that mixed up a little bit so quantity yeah. and quality for I'll, like an i'll do yeah i will do more reps depending on what type of training like i've got in my style of training i'll do my four main exercises with the accessory work and then move on to like more bodybuilding kind of stuff. So if I'm doing okay. PhDs, if I'm doing tricep pull downs, inclined dumbbell bench press, I'll go for more quantity over the quality just because I know what I'm doing in those certain areas. But it's also just to build up that muscle, build up yeah. that hypertrophy in order to aid in my Olympic lifting. Yeah, which obviously they coincide, do help with each other. So it's very important to do so. Um, again, this another question to think about, obviously, your style of training compared to, like, obviously, the endurance and, and aerobic sort of stuff when it comes to the EMOMs, Metcons, and capacity sort of work within CrossFit. Obviously, we're speaking about the quantity is probably a little bit more important there, but do you not think quality is also just as important to, again, with we're talking about injuries and everything like that, you think yeah. it's not as important as quantity still in that manner even though they do more reps do you not think quality is going to be better one they do get judged it in competitions and stuff like yeah. that and again it you can also look at crossfit being criticized for 
bad form and whatnot. So do you not think that's also a priority? I know that's obviously a contradiction um, uh, kind of statement saying it, no, it does no, get looked at. So does bodybuilding, saying. so does other sports, but... Yeah, I think everything's judged to a certain degree. I mean, if you look at the, what is it, um, Murph, yeah. they just say it's 100 pull-ups, 200 press-ups, and then 300 squats. I mean, to squats, it's just a parallel. But for, you know, it's the parallel, just chest to ground, and then it's chin over the bar, and then you're doing the butterfly pull-ups. Um, in which that will help you with your quantity. If you're looking at doing strict, it's going to massively increase your time on it. Um, but I think there is some sort of um, relationship between the quantity of what you're, the quality of what you're doing towards the quality in terms of you want to be getting that movement pattern correct in whatever doing. So if you're just muscling the bar up you're going to be expending a lot more energy as opposed to if you're doing you know the proper hip contact the proper thigh contact and drive and if you can master that but get it within the quality you're not going to have to think about what you're doing yeah in terms of you've got the the scheme which is the motor program in order to do it so if you can just if you can get the quality a certain point of where you want it to be then the the quantity is something you can work on as well within that rep range whatever rep range is set so if you're doing cleans you can get the movement pattern correct if that makes that make a whole lot of sense but you're trying to get you get what i'm trying to say yeah yeah obviously if you're muscling up it takes a bit more time power um, and obviously you may get to X amount of reps, but you then start to find it harder to do that certain movement. But then if you follow through the pattern, get the technique a little bit better, um, obviously it flows a little bit better. Therefore, you can achieve a bit more reps by doing so. So, yeah, obviously the, the quality there is highly recommended. But at the same time, you don't have to be 100% at it to then get the quantity that you needed. Yeah. If you look at Matt, Matt Fraser, for example, yeah. he comes from that Olympic weightlifting background. You can see that he has the technique drilled, but that's where also the strict work comes into CrossFit, not just the, you know, your aerobic capacity, for example. Yeah, yeah. no, that's a really good point, actually. You able to work on that. It's not well explained, but you get what I'm trying to... No, of course, yeah, yeah. So they both kind of do coincide with each other um but obviously yeah. there's areas where quality may be needed and quantity is also needed at the same time but again that's preferably but a, a goal or you know due to injury uh, lifestyle factors so there's a lot of debate between think, which one's better isn't it i think you should work on the quality of the movement before you start working on the quantity of the movement not quantity of the movement versus the quality of the movement because then you set bad you set bad practices, which are quite hard to correct over time. Because I used to have a bad, well, I used to have very bad form in both my snatching and my clean and jerking, where I was literally just trying to muscle it up. Now I'm working more on the technique. It's taken me back a little bit, but it's served me better in the long run. Cool. That's a really good uh, 
Yeah, very good point there, which makes a lot of sense. And I think listeners will obviously probably uh, would follow that advice at the same time as well. Um, so I think this is probably a kind of rhetorical question, but nonetheless, I'm going to answer it towards like a diet and training um, for yourself. Is it still a learning process for you? Massively. Okay. And do you think you ever get to a point where you'd be like, okay, I've mastered this now. It's just a, just a rolling ball sort of thing. I think it will get to a point within my diet where I'll say, look, I've, I've mastered this. I know what I'm doing now. I know that if I want to increase what I'm doing, I need to do this. If I need to decrease what I'm doing or decrease the amount of body weight, for example, or body fat, should I say. Um, I need to do this. Um, if I'm wanting to perform, I need to do this, whatever. I mean, I kind of know what to do that now just through my you know, education and whatnot. It's just actually doing it. Yeah. The, my, the psychology behind eating and everything is just a bit all over the place. In terms of actually training, I don't think I'll ever be able to get to a point where, you know what, I've mastered this. I think yeah. there will always be something something to learn or something that I need to work upon. There will never be a pit where, you know, what you're doing is better, for example. Like I'm sure in your training, there's still areas that, you know, you could say that you haven't mastered or you haven't, you know, necessarily got to a point where you say that you can, you've officially mastered the movement. Yeah, I think for a lot of things as well, um, not in terms of just doing it, but also coaching it, I think it's another point of view of uh, how to master something. Again, you can look at all aspects like business, sales, marketing. Again, there's, I think there's always a learning curve where there's always improvement needed. And again, if staff are training, you'll, you'll find, I think it always get to a point where you go, oh, I look back on that. And even though I thought it was okay, I've now learned it's probably better to progress and do it this way, for instance, yeah. or yeah. yeah. Um, I think there's always education um, to, to master it and to also like, feel it yourself, let alone just like yeah. thinking you get it done, uh, doing it properly, but then doing it properly, but then mastering that at the same time. And then obviously yeah. it's a knock-on effect for other stuff you do. Um, so for, for myself, a style of training, again, since I started, I'm, I've, always, I've always been open of saying that, what I do and what I say is probably not the best of the best. Um, and there's always progression there. And obviously that's where we go for yeah. like the basics of where we're trying to explain it and whatnot. Um, and I always find myself that I'm always progressing and feeling it a bit different the next time I do it. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's always progression there itself. So. Um, do you ever look back, look back at like videos of you doing something beforehand and realizing how bad that, you know the actual movement kind of if you like self-analyze yourself with that kind of training uh yeah there's always i won't say if i look at other people who just started out uh, in terms of like you know deadlifts and stuff like that where oh, no, like, no i mean like you're like if i'm like i've got videos on my instagram of me doing a clean and jerk and then i you know i've got one recent of me and I look back at thinking 
well, I remember thinking at that point in time when I posted that, that, yeah, my, my lift was really good there. All my progression from that point to that point was really good. But now I look at it from my perspective from where I am now and think that was really bad. That could be improved. Like I wasn't experienced, but I was experienced in that time. But now that I have more experience, I can realise what I've done wrong within that movement, slow it down and see where I'm going wrong or see where the lift is inefficient. Uh, yeah, definitely. Performance. Yeah, I definitely think that's uh, a valid point. I think everyone, I think everyone does, if I'm totally honest. Um, I wouldn't say, um, especially for my, my, my cleans and stuff like that, I'm happy, for instance, to post it up and whatnot. Um, yeah. But I know there's still improvement. But then I would say I was happy with that really good uh, what I'd done there. But not all the time I think there's improvement, but sometimes I go, okay, that's good. I'll post it up or, you know, I save it. I was happy with that. But then again, like you said, the next time I do a video and look back at it, I'll be like, cool, I have improved or um, there, there has been an improvement and it is better. So, yeah, I think I think most people do. Um, you probably see it over like TikTok and Instagram all the time where um, – I see it quite a lot of like the, the cleans and snatches and stuff like that, where it's like, oh, look at me now. And then they'd like skip a year and then they just like perfect or like hugely improve their technique, um, which yeah. you see by the, 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 the post and the caption and stuff like that. They're super, super happy about and they, they know they've improved in that. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people yeah. do do that and, you know, look back at what they kind of done, which is good, which it should be done. Um, yeah. Even just like video referencing yourself for instance and just looking at yeah. how you've done it um and trying to improve it, it's always the better thing rather than mm. thinking you perfected it um yeah um right diet training quantity over quality quality over quantity um again another thing we're going to speak about is kind of like rest days okay um are they important on you in your opinion? Yes. Massively so. Okay, and do I, explain. And I, and I recognised this yesterday when I was at the gym trying to do another PB. Um realizing that from what was it Monday that we did the one RM um back squats. Yeah. I went for a one RM front squat yesterday and for what should have been an, well not necessarily an easy lift but one that I should have got it didn't go back up in which I think that you know rest days are incredibly important not just from a a physical side but from also a mental side as well yeah all aspects of recovery just in just recovering you're if you don't take any rest days you're not going to be building anything you're just gonna you know keep going away and you're likely well more likely to get to get injured and obviously with with the rest different things are happening within your body that are gonna help i mean if you look at sleep for example it's probably one of the most important things but in terms of rest you actually need the rest in order to recuperate in order to um was it regenerate certain things that you would have lost and then also the, 
what is that? I can't think of how to explain this. Um, but in order to generate certain bodily functions, I don't. That sounds really bad now that I've said that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you relieve yourself, you're you know super recovered from that point. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> not from that perspective, but just certain. Um, things that are happening within your body you need the rest in order to have the most available to you yeah. for the next time that you come to train but for me I take I take the weekends off I'm still you know I'm still kind of active but I'm not doing anything that's going to put me under a, you know a lot of stress Okay, so we can also look at the recovery between your your exercises. Like for yourself, you've, you've timed it well in terms of the rest between each exercise, how many sets you do, the, the length of your training sessions, and also your split in terms of how you've you, you've used your five day split uh, to effectively do those movements uh, efficiently uh, to then have the re- recovery on the weekend, which again allows you to to go next week and do the same thing again where some people again don't listen to it and then kind of keep pushing keep pushing keep pushing which is not always the best thing um but then if you tell them to take a step back or you know you know do less it it sometimes is beneficial more isn't always better in terms of that is it no but i think it's also quite important just to listen to your body yeah and just if you're if you feel in like if you feel achy you're more susceptible to injury like if you don't feel you know motivated or necessarily good about going to the gym then you probably like it sounds bad but you probably shouldn't on that day like i was questioning whether to go to the gym yesterday for example i went to the gym and had a fairly bad workout if you get what i mean yeah i mean i dropped, i dropped a barbell on my head just because of how fatigued I was. Yeah. And what was that on the uh, the push track? Was it not? That was no. That was on a push press. Push press. Sorry. Going for a, going. For, well, I went into the gym saying to myself, "You're gonna hit a PB today." In yeah. retrospect, I haven't trained on a Tuesday in the last three weeks. So. Yeah. So it makes a bit of a difference there. Then. Yeah. Um, just listening to listening to my body and thinking, you know, maybe you shouldn't today. Maybe you should just, you know, give the rest and then come back fresh. Yeah, it, it's hugely yeah. important. I think I think rest is hugely important. I think you've made some valid points there as well. Um, you also spoke about sleep alongside that as well. Is that something that you focus on? And obviously, I, I think it's very important as well. But what's your opinions on that? You need a minimum of seven, well, six to six to eight hours I think is what the recommended amount and the last time I got that I can't remember what how, how much did you sleep last night till half 11 this morning or this afternoon what time did you fall asleep you know, I, I don't really want to say it's quite embarrassing <laughs> like yeah, I'm not, <clears throat> I am that person that stays awake scrolling on their phone till whatever time just because I don't fall asleep very quickly I don't I mean, it takes me like, if I put my phone down, it'll take me an hour to get to sleep. I'm not one of those people that can just fall asleep instantly. But that has just turned into my sleep schedule, I guess. So yeah, you've got a routine of just doing that as well. Yeah. 
but it's even on like weekends when I have to work and be at work for 6am I'm still falling asleep at two o'clock do you find that impacts you for your work do you feel sleepy do you feel tired fatigued whatever does that make a difference I'll be fine when I'm working but as soon as I stop working I will drift off and have a nap yeah but that's also one of the other things that a lot of people kind of like don't realize how good they are for you are naps yeah just because your body is in a state of complete rest so even after that i mean if you can afford to take a nap take a nap as bad as that sounds yeah Um, yeah i think it's time to point where naps are important if i could sleep more i probably would sleep more and i've tried finding ways of you know trying to have a better quality sleep i mean i wear a fitbit which tells me how long i've slept where apparently i've gone into rem light and deep sleep yeah um but then i've also tried listening to rain music tried searching for melatonin like increase my melatonin and cortisol levels um, but no i'm just a bad sleeper which is annoying but dealing with it i kind of have to do it if i could sleep for eight nine ten hours and recover fully then i would but it's just not something that comes to me today okay so um you obviously spoke about like things you try to do is there things that you've looked at but haven't done to improve your sleep Um, for instance i mean i think (laughs) putting my phone down earlier really helped yeah i was going to suggest that earlier waking up earlier so i'm going to bed earlier might also help i'm just not a morning person have you have you looked into something like blue light blue light blockers obviously your phone has a bit of a system where it has an orange tint to it but obviously it still affects you tv screens laptops everything like that um again has a has a big effect uh on your sleep and obviously you've also got into a routine of it and you have that that time to to wake up later so it doesn't you know it doesn't uh, affect your next day and, and until it comes to the weekend obviously it slightly affects your your sleep and how yeah. you feel the next day for work but again throughout the week it's it's okay so obviously with that impact and you go oh, i'm a little bit tired after work you do have those naps but is there ever a thought like crikey i know rest is really important i know recovery is really important and how how important sleep is i'm not getting the best out of it um i've tried some stuff is that where you stopped or have you keep have you kept trying is it like a love-hate relationship what was it towards you very much a love-hate relationship i will just look like a lot of the time i'll just look past it and just try and carry on with it but that's the same with anything that i'm really doing just like my back injury i'll just go through it i've had i've i mean no it is a very yeah it is a love-hate relationship but i don't i'm trying like i went through periods of changing it like there was i went through a period of waking up at eight and going to bed at 10 and getting back you know almost a 10 hour sleep at one point but that's since gone out the window as well but it's just falling back into old habits yeah I, yeah i just, think it's the same with anything but bad habits obviously make a huge impact of uh, what you're trying to do Obviously, my, my style of coaching is trying to be 
uh, sustainable with the change you're trying to do. So do you feel like with those changes, you obviously jumped into them too quick and therefore found it hard to sustain that? Yes and no. I mean, I, I, well, I sustained it for a month and then went back into it. But I go through periods of where sleep will be fine, but training will be bad, but training will be, at other times, training will be good and sleep will be bad. Um, but like I get an average of six to seven hours, I guess, and not that upper end of eight to nine. Um, but it's just something that I've, almost learned to deal with okay. over time and just adapt to that like I'm not expending lots of energy throughout the day so it almost that almost kind of makes up for it like there's days where I'll realize I haven't had enough sleep and then fairly long days um but that just it's just become routine now as I go to bed at two wake up at whatever time in the morning that i need to wake up at and just kind of deal with it throughout the day um, just just deal with it <laughs> it's literally that obviously i want to change like i'd i'd love to be able to go to bed at you know 11 half 11 in the evening and wake up at stupid o'clock in the morning and just build that routine but i just think if i'm going to do that then it's just going to be a long period but that's kind of what i'm doing with my training at the moment i'm not jumping into anything yeah quickly but i'm just building up over time which i think i should you know i should take with my sleep schedule and my rest and whatnot i mean i'm like you said it is very important for sleep so something i advise to look into again my sleep's not amazing and sometimes i do find it hard but i have a somewhat of a routine um but that that side, you said you had obviously the, the watch, which helps you and tracks what you're doing. Did you get that for that purpose? Or if not, like, regardless, is it still beneficial for you to have that and you, you find it works? I think it's, I, I got it just because I wanted to have some sort of feedback on what I was doing throughout the day, you know, just to see how many steps I was doing, what my heart rate was at any given time. Um, I guess part of it was to do with losing body fat and seeing how many calories I was burning throughout the day, um, not realizing that they actually are awful for doing that and they don't do jack with any part of that and it's just an absolute hoax because they can't measure it to be, they're, they're not accurate. Not yeah, they're not pinpoint, are they? And I and I know and I know that, um, but it's just to give me some sort of um, measurement or some kind of idea of what I'm doing throughout the day. Yeah, it's a good little yeah. indication. I, I think I have the same kind of thought oh, process yeah. about that. Um, where again, we know it's inaccurate, not pinpoint of how it measures it. But regardless, if you have something, I get I, I've got like some cheap twenty five pound one that does a very similar job. It has quite a lot of things to do. Uh, workout steps heart rate everything like that like you mentioned um but even though yeah. it's probably not the same um like result as something else or another another brand doing the same thing um i know that if i keep looking yeah. at this it's going to give that consistent result from what it's tracking so i can then lead 
my adjustments from there. Yeah. So yeah. I'm assuming you have the same kind of thought process it's about that. A similar thing to what I've. Similarly, yeah. I mean, it's just it can gather just where I'm at during any kind of training session, but it's more to do with my heart rate and just make sure that I'm working within a specific a specific range. Yeah. Or just make sure I'm working under what my max should be. Like I can see from much of my training sessions that I average around 120 heartbeat, which I think is all right for what I'm doing. Obviously mm. with the more um, anaerobic head workouts, um, or the ones that I'm just, you know, not doing a lot of, just to see what the heart rate just go up to. So when we did that that other day, do you do you remember what heart rate you kind of got to if you were tracking that at, at all? I think it was like a I mean, 10, ten minute email or something, wasn't it? Um, yeah, the one with what 50, 50 squats, fifty push the fifty 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 fifty. Oh yeah, two hundred total. Yeah. Oh, the 200 total one, I think I reached a 176 heart rate or something like okay. that. It was in the 170s, I know that. That 10-minute yeah. one, I don't even want to think about what it got to, to be quite honest. I think it was in the 190s, um, which Rocket. for me isn't good. Um, but, yeah. Like, if I was to train in that region more, then it would be lower. Um, I have a fairly good resting heart rate which is surprising um you'll share what that is it's like 60 yeah not bad that's good which is a fairly good like i did all my measurements and everything a while ago and everything was in that specific range obviously there are measurements that are not which we're not going to go into um <laughs> Um, but no, like within heart range, I'm fine. It's just that upper end that yeah. I struggle with. Which well, obviously you, you're, which yeah. I have trained it. Exactly, your training style is completely different to that, so you're not accustomed to it. And likewise for me, I'm more into the strength and kind of more yeah. bodybuilding side of things, I suppose. Um, so yeah, like my style, my style of training has completely gone off that. Yes, I'm trying to get into it a little bit more. I find it harder. Um, again, I used to do rugby and sports, everything like that. So I probably was up to that stage at one point, gone off yeah, it. Which I was as well. Yeah. So it's just getting accustomed to it. Uh, if you were to do it, um, obviously you got accustomed to a bit more Olympic lifting. Obviously, to start off with, it's quite challenging, and then obviously you get used to it a little bit more, which is good. Um, that's cool. So obviously, rest is really important. Alongside that, let's look a bit more of a training aspect of it. Let's look at deloads a little bit more. Um, do you utilize them? And if so, do you find them uh, beneficial at all? I haven't since a couple of blocks ago when we were at the Fit Hub. The yep. Fit Hub used to do, I remember doing deloads at the Fit Hub, but I haven't used the deload this year. I don't, I just progressively overload it each and every week, which I find works, out, works for me. But no, I don't. I don't utilize them. I think they are good in terms of um, in terms of other training. Okay. If I'm going for like I know the science behind it and why they're good, 
do I use them? No, not necessarily. Even I probably should. Before, before, before repeating, like it's a lot of things. I mean, I'm very much as do as I say, not as I do kind of guy. Um, but no, like there's, there's specific areas where a deload would be good. Um, within strength training, within endurance training, within any type of pre-competition training, I think yeah. is the best areas in which, I mean, obviously if you were going to enter a competition, you're not going to be trying to perform personal best before that week. Um, right, yeah. Just in case you do, just in case you do see something to yourself. But at the moment, no, I'm not doing any deload. But obviously, we, you spoke about beforehand, yeah. uh, you spoke about how you have to listen to your body at the same time, which is obviously crucial for when you want to implement a, uh, a deload. It's obviously for yeah. the recovery side of things, but it's also listen to your body. Does your body actually need it? Or is it something that you can just continue doing and progress with your your kind of your split, for instance? Um, so obviously this year, you said you've done it beforehand, but this year you haven't. So is it something that, again, your, your body's been okay with for this year and you haven't had to utilize that sort of uh, uh deload sort of thing i mean i say that i did take i think it was two weeks over christmas just to recuperate and okay get myself back into a place where i thought you know um, i'll get it on this saying that i am taking a week next week uh, just to well not like a proper like but just going um okay we were cutting up there so give it a second hopefully come back in trying to feel it in my knees where i've been doing everything quite heavy if that makes sense do you just um, want to say that again because you just broke up a little bit obviously you just got to a point where yeah. you had your knees and stuff and whatnot but yeah what do you say before that if you've done on mind repeating <laughs> no just taking a bit bit of a lighter week next week obviously my knees are starting to feel it where i'm squatting a lot of the time um and fairly heavily as well so it's more the it'll be more of a quantity over well lighter quantity okay to a heavier quantity I yeah think. next week will be anyway yeah, that's just, good. just so i'm not just so i'm not injuring myself more than i necessarily should be because obviously we've got testing week at the hub that's itself anyway. So yeah. that that in itself is quite a lot of, you know, volume, um, especially how we kind of do it. We just focus on the, the exercise and kind of see what we can do from that point. So it is a, it, for a lot of people, for people starting out as well, it's beneficial, even if they, they don't know or don't know the signs that the body's telling them, it could be good just to, to let them know, cool, this is what a deload is. It's probably beneficial that we do this now um, and then see how you feel afterwards and then you can obviously see the signs of how it benefits you and when you need it. Yeah. I, like I don't know if you can hear my phone. Have you got a phone call that you need to attend? Oh, that's my home phone. I didn't think it would be in the background, oh. but it is. Um, we ignore that. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's move on to... Um, Okay, we kind of answered the next kind of question I had is when to utilize it. Um, it's obviously when for you, what you're trying to say is listen to your body, and then obviously that's when you yeah. should be kind of in person that, which is cool. So that's where, like, 
RP comes in and all of that stuff. Yeah, different aspects of your training split. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Bad one week, then I'll just alter it. kind of go over anything everyone's and anything and everything that you want to speak about uh so is there any topics that fitness wise that you kind of have interest in or want to speak about or anything like that i mean fitness well fitness <laughs> i don't really know um, is there anything you followed so obviously this this look at crossfit you're a little bit into olympic lifting uh the, the open workouts have you been following them and if so what do you think Like the the open workouts, I just feel like you're insane when you try them, just because they look look at them, and I'm just like, how does somebody? Like, I look at Noah Olson, for example, and how quickly he did some of that. But it's just like to do, um, what is it? The hundred to hundred? No, it wasn't the hundred deadlifts. Yeah, it was hundred deadlifts, hundred burpees over bar. Okay, it was. The, yeah, In total, yeah, I that, think it was less than 10 minutes is, i can't quite like it looks easy yeah and i'll say that because it it you know you're only doing deadlifts and burpees you actually try and do it within a time capacity and you're screwed i think it was what friendly fran in which i saw um eddie hall try and do it now this might not have been friendly fran actually it might have been something else but he had to do um handstand press-ups which for a guy of eddie hall's size to do handstand ups yeah is just like i'm sure it probably isn't the strength side of things it's probably just like the actual the movement itself is probably like absolute absurd for him um yeah nonetheless 100 kilo deadlift he probably do it one-handed and probably find that quite acceptable because You've probably seen videos of him. He, he yeah. like reps the stuff out. He reps shoulder press out and stuff like that. Yeah. But I can't imagine him doing the twenty two point three oh, yeah. and getting That's the muscle up and everything like that. No, I mean, what was it? I saw him do. What's I don't, I don't know what the name of it. It's thirty clean and jerks. I think it is for time. Right. Um, and he broke that record <laughs> from whoever did it. But I think it's like a 60 kilogram barbell, which for him, he presses that with one hand. Yeah, he does. That's a, um, that's a video I saw recently, two uh, dumbbells, six kilos each, and he was just repping them like it was yeah. like it was nothing. It's also him, he's, he's boxing store, isn't he? I believe it's this weekend, yeah. I think it's Did this you weekend. See the press conference? Yeah, it was. Uh, I saw some comments, and it was like, um, "What's the norm? What's that normally called for, pro- like professional boxers?" It's actually, it's called something, but it was like uh, this version of Wish that they ordered it from for the interview, and it was, it was quite a funny comment. Um, Do you see that apparently Thor spat at him? Spat. Yeah. No. When was that? Spat in his face, I think. Um. I've just seen clips, that's all. At the press conference. Oh. Where is it? Cool. I saw the altercation when Eddie went to the gym. Oh, that was it. Oh, they spat yeah. each other at the gym. Okay. Yeah. And it's a 
sitting on Eddie Hall during heated first face-off. Oh, it's quite funny. And it, it is this, uh, yeah, it is this weekend. Um, I can't say that I'm going to pay for anything to watch that, and I'll just watch clips afterwards. Uh, who do you think should win out of that, then? I see a lot of comments thinking Eddie, but I don't know if that's just because it's the posts I look at are very English people, British people that yeah. follow it. Um, but I mean, if you look at it size-wise, Eddie Hall looks a lot bigger than Thor at the moment. Which um, I think Thor spoke about and called him like uh, like some fat guy, some fatty or something. And then and then yeah. Eddie literally spat out and said something like you're anorexic, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to say that on it, but um, it was... Uh, do, you see the, do, you, do you see the Photoshop that... Yeah, I don't know whether it was photoshopped, but the thing that all posted about it. I don't know. Like, how he looked. No. Is it on his uh, Instagram or something? Yeah. It's on his Instagram. Okay, have a quick look. Out by, he got called out by so many people. I think it's on his Instagram anyway. Um, he got called out for so many people for photoshopping the photo of Thor. Oh, really? Uh, um, it's Eddie Hall. My dear, you might have to scroll a little bit. So it's just going back. I'm, it may have taken it down by the looks of things, but um, yeah, is it recently or do you think it's quite a while back? It's fairly recently, although we might have put it on the story, which is where I was getting it from. Okay, yeah, maybe. I mean, he's looking like a, a big guy, but do you think that's going to make a difference? He's obviously been training for it for a while, hasn't he? So, yeah. um, four I thinks mean, he's going to have an advantage. They're, they're training for something else now, aren't they? They're not training for what they used to so i think i think it's going to be a fairly interesting competition i'd like to see would how like eddie hall gone would i like eddie hall to win of course i would because he's yeah. a brit yeah um but i think if you're from anywhere other than britain you're probably voting for Thor to win it yeah i mean Thor does look very impressive in terms of his uh weight loss and muscle Indeed. loss yeah in terms of that um but again you see videos of eddie that again he hasn't posted loads but the ones he has he does look agile quick and you know quite strong yeah. he's kept his strength he's kept his size which he's probably using to his advantage so again he can probably slip something get inside and then probably use his advantage with the strength side of things um yeah, yeah it'd be quite uh beneficial is that like yeah. is that the only boxing you watch or is that you watch other stuff as well. I mean, I don't really look, I don't watch like the, I think the last boxing match that I probably watched was the one between McGregor and Mayweather. Okay. <laughs> and that was years that was years ago. Um but simply just because I'm asleep at the time that boxing normally comes on. It's horrendous, isn't it? Yeah. Um but no, I think the only other sport I really watch is F1. If you yeah. can classify it as a sport. Yeah, well, I, I go, I go fishing, and people mimic uh, do the same thing for that. So I go, that's not really a sport. Well, I agree with them. To be fair, you're kind of just sitting around a lake, and then you're kind of like, you know, just plopping out your rod. The, the only difference with fishing is I've never seen it on a sports channel. Uh, it has been, I think. Yeah, it's only when it's been competitions. Uh, yeah. but apart from that, yeah, you don't see it on any anything else like a casual thing. It's literally just if it's one match. Sort of thing but yeah that'd be it 
But uh, F1, yeah, looks very good. Obviously, you see uh, Drive to Survive on F1, which is oh, it's God. been it's been good. We we can speak about this a little bit. It's been good, but they're just they're just making things out of molehills with some of them. Yeah, I was speaking to um, one episode. Go on. Go on. No, please, you first. <laughs> well, no, it was it was in. Oh, I can't remember. There was it was the episode in which Daniel Ricciardo won Monza, in which they had the stand as the winner of the sprint race when in fact Bottas actually won it. So they've changed that. Yeah. They've made it look like Esteban Ocon is a rookie when he's actually been in F1 since what? 2016. Mm. I mean, I guess he's missed a year, but still, he's fairly good. Um, and then the Nikita Mazepin episode, um, in which they made him look like a tactical genius in putting intermediate tyres on. Sooner than anyone um, else. Yeah. And, and, and sooner than anyone, because apparently he knows the skies in Russia. Um, and then for his for his engineer to come on, uh, yeah, congratulations, you've beaten Mick and Latifi, when in fact both Mick and Latifi DNF. had retired and he came in 18th. So he came last, so it didn't actually matter what he did. So funny, yeah. Well, mm. he could have stayed on like anything but intermediates and still became 18th it and would have made a difference, yeah, by that point. But... Um, it's quite funny. I was speaking to someone else about it as well, Levi, you know, from the gym, and um, he, yeah. he was saying it's a bit, that this season has been a bit Hollywood in terms of how they've dra- drastically changed the, the way it looks um, in terms of being a bit biased to some stuff, but like you're saying, changing the, the actual story of things and making people look bad, make people look good, um, which it has been, you know to be fair. F1, you know that F1 troll page that you yeah. that I looked at? Have you seen what they posted this morning? About it. I think it was this morning anyway. About how um, it was create a fake, like, not like a fake war, but a fake argument between Norris and Ricardo, and then make Yuki and Ocon worse than they are, or seem worse than they are. And then trying to flick through have the other guy. Where is it? Um, <laughs> I can't spell troll apparently. I don't know. I just find this page absolutely hilarious. If if someone wants to follow it, it's just uh, F1 troll underscore on uh, on Instagram. If you follow F1, and it is. Just hilarious, especially since uh, uh, Drive to Survive has been out. They have just upped their game in, t- in terms of content and memes. It's, uh, yeah, truthfully, very, very funny. Um, oh, where is it? It's all about the Gunther one where he's got a boat and uh, he's just an absolute unit. Yeah. That's why people hate you. <laughs> it's just too good. Oh, that was a Mazepin one as well, where it goes Mazepin putting on rain tyres before anyone else. I, I see if I can put the... Uh, I don't know if you can see that at all. Uh, can't, you can't see the outline, but it's a guy eating the gold medal. And then the next one is like Netflix, Mazepin will finish ahead of Mick and uh, Latifi uh, because they were both DNF. 
and then it's him on the podium with one and two and he's like p18 it's, it is quite hilarious Oh, yeah, here it is. It's the latest, the latest one. It's like, okay, team, we need ideas to make Drive to Survive Season 4 entertaining. We could fake a rivalry between Lando and Danny Ricciardo. We could fake a rivalry between Esteban and Yuki. The 2021 season is the best that we've seen in years. We should just show us as it gets thrown out the window. And I was like, well, just leave it as it is. Like, oh, yeah, I can see that one, I remember, yeah. I remember watching it. I'm watching the entire season and I'm mm. thinking, you know, this is actually pretty pretty good. But I'm just waiting for the final episode, knowing how controversial that's going to be. Yeah, it'd be good to see how they actually uh, put it across, won't they? In terms of, you know, who's... They, they've got to be unbiased at that point. They, they can't say, oh, one person's okay. better. Yeah, they've got to be unbiased. There's no way Netflix can be like, oh, you know, that's very controversial and Obviously, uh, yeah, people got it most wrong. And to come out of, the most controversial things have come out of Formula One in the last well, few years, anyway. Do you remember? Do you ever remember seeing what the the view count was for that final race? It was something mad. It was It was it was a pretty big view count. Uh, so a lot of people actually tuned in for that last race. Um, do you think like Drive to Survive has been uh well, I think it has, but do you think it has been a uh, uh an impact on F1 getting more fans? Oh massively, but you can just see from like the way that new people have like been introduced to it, like they haven't followed it from yeah, whenever it you know, that they are incredibly biased to some of the drivers and not to others, just from how Netflix make them look. Yeah. I mean, I am a Lewis Hamilton fan, but, you know. So it's Joe, Joe, uh, let, let, tell me what you think of the last race then, what your opinion is on that, on how that outcome came. Oh, it's getting him I, in his feels. Yeah. It's a knife it's pulling out there, isn't it? <laughs> I thought it was unfair. I mean, you can see from the reaction of other drivers as well that it was a bit, it was a bit suspect, um, just from the way in which we're only going to allow, we're going to have one racing, we're only going to allow the drivers that are between Hamilton and Verstappen to overtake, and none of the other drivers. When I'm pretty sure somewhere in the rules it says all of the drivers have yeah. to overtake, and then you restart on the lap where, you know, all the other drivers are now caught up to the back of the pack. Yeah, so is anyone in front of Verstappen went past him, but then Verstappen, Verstappen then became behind Lewis Hampton, but no one behind yeah, on Verstappen moved. Verstappen could finish. But I'm pretty sure it has to finish. It should have finished under the safety car. That yeah, race. yeah. Yeah. But it was also like some of the radio messages between Red Bull, Michael Massey, in which Red Bull have been like heard saying, look, we only need one lap. We only need to go racing for one lap. And then Michael Massey saying, yeah, I'm seeing what I can do. Yeah, it's, it's uh, bit, very controversial, yeah. isn't it? it? Which puts it in a bad perspective. Um, and obviously you had Toto slamming boss headphones. Oh. 
already got about, you know, five pairs in the draw that you can I break for a race. should have won it, but, you know. Do you know what? I'm, I'm a, a fan of both. I'm, I, I, I like Verstappen and what he's done. Both- it was really good to see him win in terms of a new challenger. Uh, and a new person, or like, like a newer face to the F1 in terms of you know leading the way a little bit. There's going to be a huge yeah. competition this season between them two, yeah. and it'd be really. It's going to be a massive fight, and I think a lot of fans are, cannot wait. Let alone every other racer who have improved, and obviously you got George Russell, Mercedes, and a couple of other yeah. changes. Um, but obviously, I think the main show is on Hamilton versus Verstappen, and what the first race is yeah. going to be like but also midway through and what the last race is going to be like. Is it going to be the same in terms of mm. how tight points it's going to be? Um, or is it, yeah, it's going to be more incidents. Is there, if Verstappen going to be, you know, hogging the road and breaking in the line of when he shouldn't be? Um, is Lewis Hamilton going to tap ties a little bit more? Um, <laughs> it's lots of, lots of, I think, moments uh, which would be good to watch. But like- for that race, I think... I don't know. I was rooting for Verstappen, but it was very questionable about the decision of how he won, for sure. Yeah. I think, like, you look at the two of them and how their driving styles are. I mean, I might be biased as a Lewis Hamilton fan, but even in that last overtake that he pulled into turn, was it one, two, three, four, into turn five, going on the back straight, even with that overtake, you can see that he's fully in control. And he's almost died bombing because he's almost pushed Lewis Hamilton out of the track again in that part. I mean, Lewis Hamilton did like, go out of the track he, at the start of the race, didn't he? Or I think near the start of the race. Yeah. Which yeah, was controversial as well. Which is controversial, but you've, you've seen... Like, he's still ahead going into that corner. Yeah. But Verstappen has pushed him out of the track. In which he stayed in first place because of that. You look at the events of Saudi Arabia, Hamilton was ahead going into the first corner, but Verstappen has, like, even Lewis Hamilton has made the effort to stay on the track. Like, a lot of the time, it's just like, don't get me wrong, Max is a very, very good racer. It's very and aggressive, though, isn't it? He lacks. Yeah, whereas Lewington is aggressive but knows when to pull out. Yeah. I mean, you look, at, you look at the race at Silverstone in going through Cops Corner, in which Hamilton, for the first time in his career, hasn't pulled out. Um, um, <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> for the first time, he hasn't pulled out and he's made a challenge and he's fully alongside him. And yeah. You can see that from the videos, but Verstappen has obviously Verstappen has taken the racing line and tried to, you know, hit the apex as much as he can. Lewis Hamilton is, I think, you know, whatever he's done, yes, he's somewhat at fault and he deserved the penalty that he got, but he's fully alongside him and actually given the space. He's done, he pulled the exact same move as Leclerc on Leclerc, and no accident has come out of that. So you're just thinking at what point, like, is it fine? Is it racing? I mean, yeah. the event in Italy, the event in Italy, the track that's in the corner has gone over the curb 
and landed on Hamilton's head. It's so funny because he didn't even apologise or see if he's okay. No, just fucking walked off, didn't he? Yeah. I Which mean, is fair, pretty bad. Hamilton didn't. Hamilton. Hamilton didn't do. Hamilton did the same at Silverstone. In which that was a horrific crash. Yeah, they're both really bad, uh, nonetheless. But um, and that halo is an absolute lifesaver. I think whoever oh, designed that is, is is super needed now. As a big aspect of why it is needed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I mean, mad. I mean, you can you can see that from. Did you watch the Bahrain Grand Prix last year? Uh, I, I probably did. I can't recall it off my head. The Grosjean fire. Yes. Yeah. 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 If he hadn't have had that halo. <laughs> burning alive. This is going to seem really, really morbid. But burning alive wouldn't have been his the least of his worries. Because he would have been. Yeah, his head would have come off. It's absolutely a mad story. When when watching that, especially on Drive to Survive as well, see behind the scenes and see the special effects and music, blah blah blah. It was very dramatic, and uh, obviously the the video was repetitive and different angles. So it's just so slow to see him come out. But when he did, you're like fucking hell. Even in like live watching it as well, you're like. Fucking yeah. crazy. You're so, so lucky that the man has done that. And obviously hearing his story as well. And again, you, you see his interviews and stuff. He's, he's just happy as ever, isn't he? He's just happy to be out. Yeah. Well, he, he, he's, he's back racing as well in IndyCar. Oh, is he? <laughs> Crikey. Yeah, he's, he's, race, he's racing over in America and winning like IndyCar races. Good on him. Which I just find astonishing, considering he nearly ha- he burnt nearly both of his hands off. Yeah, I don't know how, to what extent how like, bad they were, but it's obviously he still got used to them. Now they've recovered a bit more, haven't they? He's got a lo- all the scarring still on his hands. Um, like I, I don't know why, and maybe this is just me, but I found it funny that he lost a shoe <laughs> in the car. It's like when you see him coming out and jumping over the railing, yeah. you see one of his shitting. I don't know why, I just found that funny. Yeah. But you can also see from like a safety viewpoint just how much it's come along. Yeah. Back from when, what is it? Do you know? You remember what Nicky Lauder looks like, right? Yeah. And all the burns on his face and everything. Yeah. You look at his helmet from that race, to compare the, the helmet that Grosjean was wearing night and day, just how much the safety is coming along. Yeah, safety is hugely needed. Like I, I think it's always a big aspect of uh, any sport, isn't it? Point. It, does, it? To a specific point, it does. Yeah, yeah I think it's hugely important for safety. Like I said, for any sport, is it, uh, I think more looked out now than ever. Obviously, uh, you see more and more injuries. And obviously, like, over time, you see the outcome of, of certain injuries as well. Um, again, me looking at rugby aspect things, I watch rugby quite a bit. And they've yeah. come a long way in terms of head injury as well, um, looking at yeah. how that affects you afterwards. So as soon as you look like you've had a head injury, they're straight away taking you off um, and processing and see if you have 
got any concussion or anything yeah. similar to that with obviously the interview and the techniques of doing it, which is mad. It's so good. You don't really get a complaint from that. And even the players are like, obviously they want to be on, but they're not complaining. It is totally yeah. like worth it, isn't it? Yeah, you get that in every single sport. I mean, in cricket, you're taken off straight away, pretty much, under the concussion protocol. Yeah. Because you want to avoid you want you want to avoid that second impact at all costs. Yeah. Um but no, concussion is the weirdest thing in the world. I can tell you that first hand. <laughs> I likewise. I uh, I think that's another thing why I stopped rugby a little bit more as well. Um or I don't really want to get back into it. I'd love to get back into it. Obviously you miss what, what you enjoyed quite a bit and uh but yeah, I don't think I've want want to get back into rugby. For the main purpose was that uh, injuries as well. Um, I think just longevity of it is, is uh, quite crucial. I think I, I never, I yeah, never really had any concussion or anything like that until I got into uh, my college playing days, and then from like one season, I got more than I ever had. I probably had like two to three like concussions throughout that season, which you know just spooked me after that yeah yeah from one what my first one being the worst and that's one i was completely blanked out of um i supposedly uh the guy who tackled me literally just arm into my head uh to tackle me and i was just on the floor um and then i was doing like some weird arm movements just because my body was just doing it and then when i i can recall the the medic coming over and he, him asking me questions and I don't know if my eyes were staying closed but they didn't want to open and I was like oh because he's black and then eventually they started opening and I was kind of getting with it and felt a bit weird but then the rest of the times I was uh, yeah just obviously black out for a second and back open again which is still very rough but it scares you I think it scares me for sure it's, uh, it's rough do you ever do you ever throw up no no I, I can't say that I had bad um, percussions from it from that I know of. Um, again, the other I think the most of the other two times that I had it, um, it was like instant and back up again. So like I'd make a massive hit, for instance, from that hit I'd black out and be back up, uh, like awakened back into it again. So yeah, they weren't the worst. The first one was the worst, and obviously. Like the other ones were like quite quite instant, but I I know that I was back open again. I was like, "Cry, get cool, let's crack on with it." So, yeah. The only one that I've ever had landed me in hospital for an overnight stay. Uh, and <laughs> um, how did that happen? And that was the skate park. Um, I went in to the what was it? It was a half pipe. At the same time that another guy was coming in the other end lost my balance went straight into his bars um and i wasn't wearing a helmet because i'd just taken my helmet on i was only i literally went into the half like to go to the other side to get all my stuff and go home um and the guy's coming in from quite a height as well didn't see him yeah because there was no one on the half height at that point um but went straight into his handlebars broke well, no, I didn't break it. I fractured from the bridge of my nose down to around here, in which I still don't have any feeling in, in this part of my um, double vision. was lying down 
Um, and at that point, I think like the recommended things for people with concussion was not to um, allow them to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, so every time I closed my eyes, my mate would like hit me with a stick. That helps. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, call my mum just to like say, look, something's happened at that age because they're the first like they're the first person you think of. I was what, yeah. 13 or 14 at the time. Um, called her when she got me as soon as I stood up I threw up and I continued throwing up until I got to her car which was like 400 meters away um was lying down in the car on the way there got to A&E they saw me immediately because of the head injury continued throwing up for the hour and a half before they actually saw me I think I threw up within the region of 50 to 60 times I know that sounds like an exaggeration, but that wasn't really how much I threw up. Told the um, the doctor that came in, they were just like, no, we're not happy with this. We're taking you up. Put me on a drip because they thought I was going to suffer with dehydration. Um, did all the assessments for the concussion. They're like, yep, you've got one of the worst concussions we've seen. And I was like, oh, lovely. Just wait an hour and a um, half for this. <laughs> Cheers. Waiting an hour and a half for this with double vision as well, in which my eyes were a different, which was a bit scary. And no one could tell me why I had double vision. Yeah. Don't understand it to this day. Um, but there was no marks left on my face. I didn't leave with a black eye, nothing from getting hit in the face. Three months later, I get hit with a stone in the face. It causes me to have a scar, like a cut on my face and a huge black eye. And I'm like, where's the, like, how does that work? But no, that is the only concussion that I've ever had, touch wood. Um, and it ended up in, with me in hospital for an overnight stay in 24 hours, which was, which was, you know, and from then I've been pretty much injury prone. And I just, uh, just, just repeat itself, doesn't it? Uh, to be fair, one of my teammates that um, I see every now and then, um, probably the worst concussion I've ever seen in my life, um, to the point where, I don't, I don't know if you ever play any team sports, but you literally kind of step away, let the people sort out, and then you're, you're team huddling sort of thing. So he's obviously one end of the pitch, we're the other end of the pitch. And you know something's bad when it's been, you know, you know five, ten minutes, and you're like, shit, he's not kind of got up, whatever. He, he practically didn't move. He was still kind of like unconscious from whatever it was, tackle, whatever it may be. Air ambulance came, he he goes away. And then ever since, he's obviously still like, he, he come back with it, but he's a different person. Like, he's more aggressive. He's just doesn't know yeah. where he is half the time. It, it's like hugely changed who he is. Um, yeah, it's mental what like injuries you can do. There's, there's definitely good flight like, safety stuff. So like, going back to F1, having those features, especially with the incident with Verstappen and, and Hamilton, it is like a, a godsend to have that, and especially like at that time for like that will to go over. And you see it just like, just just literally yeah, save his head from being... Yeah. But it still, it still hit him in the head. I, I think it, yeah, yeah, I think it... Because Verstappen's yeah. rear right tyre actually conked him in the head. And you hear Hamilton talking about it and how, you know, kind of made him dizzy his neck is like it's a good thing they've got strong necks yeah i was gonna say he probably like pushed the uh tire away give it a little head or something didn't he headed it away 
<laughs> get off um, it. Not the phone going. No, you look at you look at some of the accents over. Somebody obviously wants you. Yeah, no, it's, it's not my. Uh, it's a family phone yeah. for the business, which I'm just I ignore all the time. Um, yeah, I never pick it up, so I leave that to be. Uh, have you got a map behind you? Is that a? Uh, you look at. You look at. Top of your head, is that a map behind you? The uh, a course on the wall, yeah. That's Silverstone. Very nice. There you go. That's how you know you're a true F1 um, fan. A Joker painting. Nice. Which. Gotta love, gotta love a bit of the Joker, don't you? Um, yes, mate. Uh, what we do, we're. Have to say that all again. Is it broken up for you? Because you're broken up for me as well. Cool. Anyway, I was just saying the Joker's obviously uh, a very good, uh, very good movie. Um, yeah, and obviously Silverstone as well. We've also got a mini Lego figurine of the Joker as well. So you know, nice, big fan, big fan. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, fairly big fan. Obviously, I'd like a different Joker painting. But, you know, best comic book super villain ever, in my yeah. opinion. But yeah, yeah. Have you seen who the new Joker is going to be in the Batman? No, I may have done. Go on, detail. And you've got... Someone does want me, but um, again, you're breaking up. So, makes it say it again. Yeah, you did as well. Um, have you seen who the Batman is going to be in the... No, have you seen who the Joker is? Who's going to be in Batman? Uh, no, I haven't. Um, I may have seen it, but yeah, do do tell. Have you watched Eternals? Yeah. Oh, God, I hate that movie. Um, the mind reader or the person that can control people's minds. He's going to be a Joker? He's going to Joker. Oh, okay. I, I can't really base off Eternals because Eternals for me was very boring. Um, yeah, I didn't really yeah, like them. as it was as it was for me. Um, but he's got the laugh down, which is a start. Yeah. Um, who is it? Barry. Cu I don't know how you. <laughs> don't ruin it. Don't butcher it. Oh, Barry Cohen. Barry Keegan. Okay. But you know who I mean. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Could be um, better. Yeah. But it's a film I highly recommend you watch. It's a bloody long film, but. I mean, you mean? It's a very, very good film. Still need to watch it. I uh, will get around to it, but. Um... Yeah, what I do, I'll, I'll, I'll stop the recording here. We're going to obviously chat afterwards, but um, yeah, we, we'll stop the recording here. So, for everyone listening, thank you very much. Um, again, if you liked it, then do rate it on Spotify or comment or again on Instagram, anything like that. 1% better uh, underscore podcast. Um, again, just let us know what you think. So, thank you very much, Ethan, for jumping aboard and giving us your opinion on some of the topics. Um, is there anything that you'd like to say at all for the end of the video? No, not really. Just, you know, thank you for having me. Um, enjoyed it a fair amount. We'll see you next time.